you very much. Let's open in prayer. <laughs> Dear Heavenly Father, as always, Lord, we come before you, uh, Lord, needing you in every aspect of our lives, Lord. We need you because you are sovereign. You are God. You are love. And so, so much more. And so, Lord, we just ask that this time that we spend together, Lord, is profitable for us, that we draw it in and we're able to really, really just understand and apply. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Ah, wise, godly guidance. Who needs that? Oh, good. One hand. All right. Probably a few more need. Thank you so much. Uh, anyway, what do you think? The world is sadly lacking wisdom and discernment. Is that a true statement? You can say amen to that. Amen. Lacking. They just don't get it. They don't have the proper information. They're not interested in history. They're not interested in morals. They're not interested in responsibility. All the things that a sovereign God wants us to understand and wants us to apply to our lives. So they're greatly, greatly lacking in this kind of wisdom that they should. They think they have wisdom, but they really don't have wisdom. Godly wisdom is knowledge that is gained by having many experiences in life. The world seems uninterested in true wisdom. I hope you like J.I. Packard. He did a wonderful book, a classic called Knowing God. If you haven't read it, read that book. Okay? <laughs> Good. Read it. He said this about wisdom. Not until we have become humble and teachable, standing in awe of God's holiness and sovereignty, acknowledging our own littleness, distrusting our own thoughts, and willing to have our mind turned upside down, can divine wisdom become ours. We have to abandon ourselves to God and he will bestow us with this godly wisdom Charles Spurgeon says this about discernment discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong it's knowing the difference be right, between right and almost right there's a lot of almost rights out there and Spurgeon spotted that we should spot it in all the things that go on around us, almost right, but not completely right. Godly wisdom is attained from, let's take a guess, God's word. Today we'll be looking at a section from the book of Proverbs. But first I want to draw one proverb to you. I think that's very important. If I was to pick one verse in Proverbs that really says it all, it would be Proverbs 1, 7, 8. No? Okay. The fear of the Lord is the beginning, the beginning of knowledge. If I put it in the wrong sequence, that's my fault. That's no big deal. Anyway, it's the fear of the Lord, the begin, just the beginning of knowledge. Fear in the Old Testament is Yerah. Fearing God is constructed uh, Constructed with or constructed with a hard, uncaring heart. 
contrasted, excuse me. Godly fearing is connected with humility and loneliness and sensitivity of heart. Let me say that again. Connected with humility, lowliness, and sensitivity of the heart. The sheer majesty of God as well as the holiness and justice and power and wrath of God cannot be approached in a cavalier spirit. It would be insane to think we can just stroll up to the creator of the universe with that attitude. We are blind if we think we can do that without trembling. One of the positions that we should really get used to be doing in prayer is prostrate. We're on our face before an incredible, incredible God. Now, obviously, in the New Testament, we have our grace. But fear is described like this. It's called phobos in Greek. Treats the fear of God as a motive for not turning away from God. God's grace in Christ. Rather, we should fear in the sense that we seek refuge in God, away from God's terrible wrath. God's grace in Christ is the refuge from God's wrath. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Who holds our salvation? Who? Christ. God holds our salvation, not me. That is secure. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for God really is a consuming fire. We must come before God in the right attitude. And this is just the beginning. That's what it says in Proverbs 1. The very start of growing in the knowledge of God. If we have the right fear of God, we will begin to grow in the knowledge and love of him. There are five books of the Bible that are called wisdom books. That's Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon. Solomon wrote three of these books. He wrote Ecclesiastes, which teaches us about folly, Song of Solomon, which teaches us about love, and Proverbs. He wrote most of it, and it teaches us wisdom. My personal habit for years has been to read one proverb a day and five Psalms, because it works out great. There's 31 Proverbs, and there's 150 Psalms. And it works out. Maybe you have to double up once, okay? This works out very nicely. Simply stated, a proverb is a saying that states a specific truth in a very straightforward way. That's good for you and me. Just says it like it is. I like it. There is a mountain of worth of common sense in Proverbs. Proverbs, again, is drawn from life's strong experiences as a Christian. Time in the trenches, value, hopefully as a mature Christian, I can and do draw for many years of service to the Lord. And I hope the same is for you. You draw upon that experience that you have in God. It's so very, very important. The Word says, if we lack if you lack, or any lack, wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Let me say that again. If you lack wisdom, who do you ask? You ask God who gives liberally and without reproach, 
if you would like, just as I would like, to be sure we should get a great deal of God wisdom in our world. We need God's wisdom in this world. All we have to do is ask. That should be part of our main prayers is to ask God for wisdom. Navigating through this world is not easy. It's hard. Figuring out the rights and wrongs, remember what Spurgeon said, almost, right? Sometimes it can be hard. And the world is really in the gray area where there's no real truth. It's sort of half-truth, partial truth. What did Satan do to Jesus? Gave him partial truth. And that's exactly what happened to Eve. Okay? So, Proverbs are uniquely qualified to impart wisdom to the reader. I'm going to ask you to do something with me. God's word is very, very reverent. And if you would, if you can, would you stand with me as I read Proverbs 3, 1 through 8? Proverbs 3, 1 through 8. And I'm using the New King James Version of the Bible. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands for length of days and long life, and peace they will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Amen? You can be seated. I've broken up Proverbs 3, 1 through 8 into four smaller sections. I like to do that with the Word of God. Break it up and chew it up. I think that's a real good habit for all of us. Again, I probably said this before, reading through the Bible is a nice thing to do. It can give you great comfort and stuff. But when you start to dig in and just pick out a couple of sentences and see what it means, it can just bring so much more insight into what God is trying to say to you. So I've broken it up into four sections. Verses 1 and 2, I call listening. Verses 3 and 4, learn. 5 and 6, love, and seven, eight, seven and eight, lead. Now, you've heard this proverb before, but as we dig in and chop it up, maybe some new insights will come. There is these four points to gain for wise, godly counsel. Listen, learn, love, and lead. So, verse one says, my son, do not forget my law but let your heart keep my commands. Obviously, son is from a parent to a child, an heir. But we are also heirs. We should realize the importance of our relationship with Christ and have ears to hear and apply these truths as children of God. That's where we are. We're children 
of God, heirs of God. If we are not ready to do that, we will not draw in. We will stand in an upright position before our sovereign God, believing we understand when we don't. But we are heirs, heirs of God. He talks about the law here, not as a command, but loving response. Did you read it? It said, do not forget my law. He's not accusing, but he's pleading in a sense to the will of God. For us, the complete word, books, how many? 66 are important. Every single book is important, even numbers, which sometimes very difficult to read, but there is insight in there if we want to find it. He talks about the heart. The heart is the spiritual part of us where our emotions and desires dwell a com composition of all three components of our soul, our mind, our emotion, and will, plus the most important part of our spirit, our conscience. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if indeed we want a full heart of God, we certainly have to make it our treasure. Luke 6.14, did I do that one right? Good, I got one right. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and the evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance, that's all that's in there, of the heart, his mouth speaks. Do ours always speak righteousness? Uh, but it should. The more abundance we have in our heart of God. Proverbs 4, 23 says, keep your heart with all diligence. You got to work at it. Work at it. For out of it springs the issues of life. Again, the word says, where your treasure is, your heart will also be. What is your heart? What's in your heart? Because you know what comes out, whether good or bad, will be noticed. And then he mentions commands, and we all understand, understand commands as directives by a sovereign God. Every command which I command you today, you must be careful to observe. That's in Deuteronomy 8.1. Commands are good. Did you know that? They're good. To direct us in the right path to sanctify us. Verse says, the length of days, for length of days and long life and peace, they will add to you. Length of days. Deuteronomy 6.2 says that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, you and your son and your grandson, all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. We could be blessed with a long life, but we should surely count the days. Because no matter how long you live, it goes that fast. And before you know it, you're on this end of it. So we need to count our days, even though we may get long life. In the Old Testament, that was represented as 
being blessed to have long life. It is for us too. The point is, is while you're here, we need to be about God's business as Jesus was. That's why you're here, to give out the word of God, to live the word of God, to be the word of God so others see it and recognize it. Peace, boy, that's something we all want in a world that has very little peace going on. God says, peace I leave with you, my peace. I give to you not as the world gives, but I give to you. We can't find peace out there. The world is always thinking that they're going to find a way to have world peace. Without Jesus Christ, there is no world peace. Are you experiencing this kind of peace? We all go through troubles. I think about Marx originally, his father's. I've had many of them in my own life. But through them all, you can have peace because who is in command of it all? God's in command of it all. Whether you stay or whether you leave. And like Paul, we were talking before, Mark and myself, it's kind of hard-pressed to know which you want to do. You want to be here so you can serve the Lord and give the word out, but you certainly want to go up there where you know it's going to be wonderful and you will be with Jesus Christ and the Father and the Holy Spirit in you forever and ever. Psalm 119 says, I think 165, yes, great peace have those who love your word, love your law, and nothing, you see those little words are so important, nothing causes them to stumble. Nothing, that's so very important for us to see. So the first thing is to do is listen. We have to listen to what the word of God is saying. That's what Solomon is saying to his son, his heir. That's what God's saying to you and I. The next is love, verses 3 and 4. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablets of your heart. Who doesn't need mercy here? How about every day? And thank goodness it's new every day. The mercy that he has given to us, we need to do what? Show it to others. That's hard sometimes when we look at the world and how mixed up it is for us to be merciful. But if you are like I am, you can think back before I was saved, God had pretty great mercy <laughs> to save a person like me. So you can see that. The truth, the truth is so important. First of all, we have to be in the word enough so we know the truth, understand the truth, draw the truth in. It denotes that which is opposite to falsehood. Our Lord says of himself, I am the way and the truth. There is no other truth. Jesus is the truth. And we must fasten them, right? Fasten them around us around our necks, have them close to us, have them right here, right here. Bind them continually upon your heart. That's Proverbs 6, 21. Tie them around your neck, and so they're never gone. They're never away from you. If we know mercy and truth, we can call on them at a moment's notice if we bind all this around our neck. And then verse 4 says this, and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Who doesn't like approval? 
right? Kindness, esteem, respect. Wow, appreciation. We all want these things in our lives. We want these things in our lives. We need to bind these things, learn of these things, and it says that both God and man, Romans 14 and 18, for he who serves Christ in these things, righteousness, peace, joy, in the Holy Spirit is acceptable to God and approved by men. Not all men, because they don't understand. But most of the time when you're dealing with a non-believer, they're suppressing the truth with unrighteousness. It's in there. They know. But you're esteemed, my men, that you care about. Other men who understand Jesus Christ and are approved by God and approved by man. So we need to learn. We got to be learners. I do a discipleship class, which I'm going to do this evening over the church that I go to. And the one thing that I tell them every time, the first statement is, what is a disciple? Yes, it's a follower, but it's a student. It's a learner. It's one who's grasping more and more. Think of them walking with Jesus, always asking questions, always trying to understand, always getting more in their hearts and their minds. So we listen, we learn, and then we love, because who do we love? And this is the part that's so familiar to everybody, verses 5 and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. Who do we trust in? Lean not on our own. Trust is confidence. It's belief. It's faith. How many times do we trust in our own thinking? It's kind of sad. We think we know. Psalm 37, 3 and 5, and I don't know if they put 4 in there too, but that's okay. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him. Trust also in him. And he shall bring it to pass. It's his work. He will bring it to pass if I trust in him. I, who don't I lean on? I don't lean on me. My understanding. That's a poor thing to do. If I do that, I work with just my feelings, opinions, other actions, things I've seen, the input of the world, and not necessarily the input of God. Jeremiah 7, or rather 9, 23 through 24 says, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise men, what? Glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glorify in, or glory in this, that he understands and knows me that I am the Lord, exercising good, uh, loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. What are we leaning on? 
What are we trusting in? All the things that we've been able to succeed in? All the things that we've achieved? No. In the Lord. If you have any abilities, who gave it to you? God. If you have any extra talents, who gave it to you? God gave it to you. And we have to remember that. It's very important for us to understand that he knows and we don't know. We too often lean on our own understanding and it causes us great problems. It moves us in directions we should not go. But the more we understand of this wonderful book, the more we will lean on him instead of leaning on ourselves. And verse 6 says, in all your ways, how many ways? All your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Those little words, again, are so very important for us to grab hold of. We must acknowledge, accept, recognize who is in charge. First Chronicles says this, And as for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your fathers and serve him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intent of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. What a great promise. If you get into this, you will find God. He will reveal himself to you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Nobody wants that. The world thinks they have that or understand that, but they don't understand that at all. If you seek him, you will be found by him. And if you forsake him, he will forsake you forever. Direct, straightforward. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. We said it again. Proverbs 16, 9. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. We should always know who is in charge of life. We think, again, we are in charge, but we certainly are not. So we listen, we learn, we love God, and then we leave. We deny ourselves. We sin no more. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. You remember we were talking about fear? That incredible majesty of God, that awe of God, and he is a consuming fire. We need to always remember that. We think we're clever. We think we're shrewd. We really understand, but in our own eyes. Many times friends around us know that we're not that wise. <laughs> but we think we are. Romans 12, 16 says this. Be of the same mind towards one another. That's you and I. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Be humble. This is a continual problem most of us have. The pride of life. 
We need to break away from that and deny self. Sin no more. Now, it's easy for us to say we're all sinners and we're never going to achieve the total image of Christ. But how hard are you pushing towards that? We can certainly get further than we are today, couldn't we? It's a push. We need to want it. We need to want it badly. Proverbs 14, 16a says, A wise man fears and departs from evil. I love short sentences like that. A wise man fears and departs from evil. Oh, Lord, help us to depart from evil that entraps us. It does entrap us. It grabs hold of us. Verse 8 says this, It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. I like that. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want that great health in my relationship with him? Not this bodily health. My healthy relationship with him. My strength in him. That's the well-being we want. Third John 1, 1, 2 says this, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. There's a real key at the end. That's real health. That's strength to your bond, uh, to your bones. When your soul prospers in understanding the word of God, we need strength. We need strength desperately in God. Isaiah 40, 29 says, He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. That's why I use so many scriptures. Scripture proves scripture. Not something I'm saying or something I just think is a good thing to say. Scripture tells me he gives power to weak vessels like me and to those who have no might, he increases strength. He is our strength, not me. I'm not my strength. He is my strength. I'd like to read another wonderful section of Proverbs that cements the idea of the need for wise godly guidance that we all need. And I don't believe it's up there. Or is it? It's Proverbs 4, 20 through 27. It's probably not out there. Listen to this. It says, my God, or rather my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my saying. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it springs the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your, of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or left. Remove your foot from evil. So in these verses of Proverbs, we learn first to listen. Listen to teachers. Listen to those who spread the word of God. Listen intently. They will direct your heart. Have the ears to hear what God is saying to you. 
Don't drift off. Even in private times when you're in your room by yourself with God, try not to drift off. Don't let people interrupt you when you're in the Word of God. Focus in. Learn. Be a good student. Be a good learner. Be a real disciple of God. Always grasping and drawing in all these wonderful truths from God's Word. And then we need to love and love the Lord with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. We need to love God like that. I haven't attained it yet, but I'm pushing towards it. And that's what you need to do. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. The alls are the big part. <laughs> all, not piecemeal. So we love, and then we leave. We deny ourselves. We leave sin behind. And there's every aspect of sin that traps us. Attitudes, wants, beliefs that are not correct with the Word of God. They trap us. In relationship with family, with husband, with wife, we can easily be trapped into emotions of our own. We need to deny self. It's always amazing to me when I look on the, the internet or I look at uh, something on TV and they're always doing a selfie. Who do you think that's all about? <laughs> it's all about me, the selfie. It's all about me. So the point is we need to listen, learn, love, and leave the things that we must behind. And everybody said, amen. Thank you. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your love and your concern. Thank you for your word. Thank you that Proverbs can offer us so much, Lord. We thank you for that. We just ask that you would bless and direct this day in Jesus, Jesus' precious name.